0: Good evening, everyone. Dave here, live from the shed. Good to be back. Had a great long weekend. Got to go up to a friend's cottage and uh, take it easy for a bit. Uh, well, on Saturday, I was at the World Freedom Rally in Toronto. If you haven't seen the footage uh, from that, uh, filmed the march. Had a great turnout. Great, uh, great bunch of people uh, walking through the city of Toronto, and just uh, it was awesome. Actually, there was a whole nother um, event of some kind going on, so uh, lots of exposure just getting for people to see that uh, the mandates are still here, and so are we. It's an ongoing conversation I have with people all the time of uh, why are you still doing this? And people are shocked to find out that all of the federal mandates are still in place. So all federal employees uh, need to be vaccinated in order to keep their jobs, and uh, and many. Um, Provincial and municipal mandates uh, do still exist, and we're going to get into that a little bit with uh, Thomas O'Connor, uh, the mandates on health care providers, and uh, I'm in an email conversation actually with uh, someone who works for the city of Hamilton. Uh, they just have like an office job with the city of Hamilton, and they are currently on unpaid leave uh, because the city of Hamilton has its own mandates, and these things are going on all over the place. Of course, you know about the uh, Tim Hortons camps, which are mandating for their children, And uh, for the cadets uh, programs, the overnight programs at camps, they're still mandating their mandates still all over the place. But it traces all back to the federal mandates, uh, Justin Trudeau's unwillingness to back down on this. In fact, uh, uh, several times in the House of Commons in question period when he's asked about it, he just continually puts the hammer down that it's, you know, we're still dangerous and I'm still protecting Canadians. And all the same lines that he's been using over and over again, even with the whole world basically opening up again, he still insists on holding on to these mandates. And um, so we're going to talk a bit about that with Thomas. Uh, Thomas was a uh, paramedic with the city of Ottawa for 13 years uh, before publicly resigning from that role. Uh, he made some uh, videos that, uh, that's uh, first time I saw him, was actually in a, a video that was going around Twitter and TikTok, just talking about the various um, things that he had seen from working right within uh, the medical uh, role of the pressure to not say certain things and uh, these ongoing um, issues that were being caused by by mass um, vaccination and and being able to see right on the, the front line some of that and, and seeing also the, the pressure that was coming down to not be allowed to talk about certain things. And so looking forward to talking with him about that. And, uh, then again, update, if you haven't seen it yet, I uh, posted a video there with a little update from James top, a great little clip, just again, him talking about why he's doing what he's doing while he's running. Cause I guess he was trying to make up some time cause he's trying to get to Ottawa, the hard set date of June 30th to arrive in Ottawa. So he's, uh, picking up the pace a little bit. So I posted a video there on the YouTube and Facebook where he's uh, running uh, while talking to the camera to make up some extra kilometers and a great little clip. So you can see an update there from James Topp. He's expected to arrive June 30th in Ottawa. And uh, Veterans for Freedom is working to get together uh, hundreds, hopefully thousands of veterans and others in order to welcome him there. So it's going to be a great event June 30th when James Topp arrives in Ottawa. So be sure to uh, book a spot early, get to Ottawa and then you can stay and take part in the Canada Day celebrations and lots of great stuff planned for that. Um, okay, so let's go ahead and uh, bring on uh, Thomas here. So like I said, 13 years as a paramedic. And uh, and now as a way to continue to stand for freedom, he is uh, running with the new blues. So we if you'd seen, I did a video with Derek Sloan of the Ontario Party. And um, Thomas O'Connor is a candidate with the new blues. So we'll get to hear a bit about what that uh, party is all about as well. So that's what we're going to get into uh, tonight. So here we go. Let's bring on Thomas. Good evening. Hey, how's it going? Good. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much for joining me tonight.
1: Yeah, man. Thanks yeah. for having
0: me. I appreciate it. Yeah. And I think uh, if you can see the the comments there, feel free um, as we get going, if you ever want to stop me and, and jump on something there, but those will be going along as well. But uh, for mm-hmm. starters, uh, for those who, who don't uh, know you at all or haven't seen any of your your videos, uh, just give us a, a brief introduction of yourself.
1: Uh, so like you had mentioned there, uh, I'm in the Ottawa area. I was a paramedic for 13 years for for the city. And uh, I went to school at Algonquin College prior to that. Worked for quite some time as a, uh, as a construction as well, right, through through that period of being at a College in between uh, semesters, right? So, got a pretty decent broad background of different uh, different things. But uh, the longest one was the uh, the paramedic stuff, right? That was kind of my my whole goal through high school, and obviously that was my my three years of college were all directed towards me uh, becoming a paramedic, right? So, so where I was, I've got a small family of uh, three kids and a a wonderful wife. We've been married for fourteen years. My kids will be. Uh, seven 10 and 11 this year and so they, they keep me busy and uh as you mentioned uh, uh i have resigned right so resigned back in february so i'm no longer a paramedic uh just due to the fact that the the mandates were in place and just the way that the the city was was acting i just didn't want to be a part of uh what was going on anymore both in the medical field and that and so i've taken up an electrical apprenticeship since then so yeah that's where i'm at yeah. now anyway so
0: Yeah. And we'll we'll certainly dive into more into that resignation as we get going here. Um, I want to uh, uh, start with just talking through um, the pandemic. I'm always curious from my different guests of what did that look like um, from your perspective? I mean, with a young family and then working directly in medicine, sort of starting with, you know, the first time you heard about uh, COVID and and what did that look like from your angle?
1: Well, like most people, I think that I had some concerns about it from the get-go but I gave them the the benefit of the doubt that the things we were seeing from overseas uh, how bad it was and then even into like when Italy was sending out videos of all their elderly having uh, severe shortness of breath and just all kinds of different issues and then when the New York uh, became a big cluster there, right? They, they became very, uh, <laughs> very well known for New York, for, for all the videos coming out of that, uh, that part of the world as well. Right. So, uh, no different than probably most, we gave them their two weeks. I was very concerned through that period of time with having a small, uh, small children and, and a wife. And then even my, my two, my mom and dad and my youngest brother, uh, live with me. Right. So I would uh, I had a a family to look out for so I was concerned being at work uh, that I would bring something home so I was always checking my temperature and just doing my job right to to make sure that my family was safe making sure that I took showers at work changed my clothes uh even even around here we we tried to make sure that I just didn't bring something home because it was all yeah. supposedly new right and we'd never seen anything like that but um Probably about three to four weeks in, I started to to question things extremely heavily. Uh, public health was saying that there was tens of thousands of people out there sick with COVID and we just didn't know about it, right? And uh, I started questioning them, saying like, where are these people? Mm. Uh, for those that aren't in the emergency field, uh, a lot of people call 911 for some pretty ridiculous things, right? (laughs) You know, just a simple thing of cutting your finger in the the kitchen sink. Yeah, it can be scary. You got kids, you can pass out, right? That's understandable if you have what we call a syncopal uh, episode, right? Where you have a brief loss of consciousness. We don't mind going to those things, but people literally call 911 for a Band-Aid. So to me, if you got this disease, it's creating all these problems and there's tens of thousands of them out there according to our, our local public health. To me, I was just asking, where are they? They, they call mm-hmm. 911 immediately. Why wouldn't they call the second they became short of breath, right? Okay. And so I started to question it. And as time went on, I really started to question it. I still did my thing, trying to wipe down the ambulance, wipe down all the uh, equipment, just because that's what we do regularly. But just, just in case still, right? But the thing that really, really got me is... A month to a month and a half in, we we still had little to no cases uh, where we were. You know, uh, we were always hearing about New York, New York, Italy, all these other countries that were having this massive amount of problems. And all my coworkers and I, we were we had really really high call volume. Um, an average day in a, in an urban area for paramedics, especially in the region I was in. Uh, A really, really busy day, you could do 12 calls, right? And we always, we have these trip sheets where we write all the information down on all the calls we've done. And if you filled it, that was an extremely busy day, right? So that's that 10 to 12 calls. Mm. Uh, Most of us would do between six and eight calls a day. That was an average day that we would consider busy. And if you had a slow day, you still only did four calls. Um, But we went from doing anywhere from four to 12 calls a day all of us um, and in the the whole eastern region um, including the urban center of Ottawa we would we would have likely hundreds of calls in a 24 hour period right and that just disappeared overnight like it hmm. literally like a light switch just gone um, and so for me I it kind of caught me off guard like why is why do we go from having, hundreds of calls in a region to, to almost none. And I'm not saying there was zero because there were still calls, um, but there was a, a big turn in call volume during that that lockdown phase, right? And right near the first lockdown here in Ontario, we started to have this wave of people dying. And none of them were, I don't, they weren't COVID, but I like to call them uh, uh I don't know. I think about it. I worded it now. Uh, COVID, non COVID related deaths, right? Um, so, were, was COVID causing it? Yes, because they locked us down, but they were a non COVID call. And mm, these individuals okay. were, yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, so it was just people that they had their surgical procedures canceled, their uh, medical procedures that they had booked, they were all canceled. And something that was super corrective went from being in that medium to severe to now dead, right? Um, People weren't able to get into their family physicians because they too were shut down. They They hadn't got these other programs up yet and running, right? Where you could call your doctor or do virtual. None of those things had been set up yet. And so there was a big backlog of people who were Having these issues, they were putting off and putting off. <laughs> my phone's ringing. There, um, they were putting them off and putting them off. And next thing you know, uh, that individual gets into the merge, and they they may have caught their stage one cancer. Now they have stage four cancer, and those individuals unfortunately just didn't didn't get the treatment that they they could have had. And so that to me was a huge eye opener. We were doing, I personally, uh, and so were my other colleagues. Um. We were doing lots of calls like that where people who would have been okay they would have been still healthy they had received whatever medical attention they they needed if they would have received it in a timely fashion they would have been fine Hmm. but that wasn't happening right and
0: there was so much fear of like going to the hospital right Mm -hmm.
1: yeah yeah and and just straight up they canceled it like surgeons were just not allowed to perform surgeries so unless it was emergent, so if you were requiring something because you were about to die or were actively dying, they would do it. Uh, but all these things like aortic aneurysm repairs, they weren't doing it. And then two months into these lockdowns, they're rupturing because.
0: Yeah, because pre- presumably there's many steps that lead to I'm almost going to die. right? That's right. So, yeah, yeah. So they're yeah, doing okay. the almost going to dies, but all the things that lead to almost going to die is like, oh, no, we can't. We that's can't right. That's right. Yeah. And because
1: there's no follow up with these people, because they can't get in to see the doctor or have imaging done again, um, because the last time they had one done, they were deemed as a, a medium priority, something that needed to happen, but you weren't you weren't imminently going to die. And so they would postpone, postpone, postpone. And some of these people might have been postponed prior to the lockdowns and then lockdowns happen and now they've missed it and they had their, say they had it scheduled for, uh late march uh because they postponed it from the beginning of march because they got canceled for whatever reason now that person's not getting it until they unlock and unfortunately there was situations where i was doing cpr on these people in their their bedrooms at 3am right mm. because that that a- aortic aneur- aneurysm has ruptured and as a paramedic i can't crack your chest and do surgical repairs inside your your bedroom that's just not not doable right so those things were happening quite frequently and it it that to me really upset me that that was like by May 2020 they had turned me off I had only had maybe one COVID patient from March to, to May and in that first two to three months and for me to see other people dying from it and talking to some of my colleagues and some of the nursing staff we just weren't seeing the COVID patients that they were referring to as 10,000 of them and we just didn't know it. Yeah. Right. And they and never it, came.
0: It's interesting you say that like right within, uh, the, the medical field, because of course, like as just a regular citizen at home, it, um, you know, you're like, well, you just assume that you're, you must not be seen. And of course, none of us see the whole picture, but uh, sure. in my, in my own community, I was, uh, I, I mean, I started to get very skeptical too, because I'm told that this is, this is so um, contagious and so many people are dying and, and I'm looking around and there's a lot of, uh, actually my area has a lot of older people, number of seniors homes. Yeah. And, and I know a lot of older people uh, just have been here my whole life. And so, and I'm not seeing all these people dropping dead. And in fact, I'm seeing a number of elderly people I know uh, get this and survive, including my grandparents and my, some aunts and uncles and, Um, and, and just not seeing the, these people dropping dead. And then friends of mine in medicine, um, have some friends who are are nurses and work in hospitals and, and they said, yeah, they're seeing like, um, COVID patients, but none of them were like freaking out or like, oh my goodness, the, you know, the end is nigh and this is so terrible. And, but then they would say the same thing of, well, we've heard it's bad at the, some other hospital. Right. And so everyone's kind of like, well, it must be. It must be worse uh, somewhere else because we're not seeing yeah. it where we are. And then, and yeah. then you're telling me that you actually were seeing more of these uh, like lockdown-induced issues that that were oh, absolutely, happening. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so that I'm sure that got the red flags uh, up big time. And this was pretty early on. You were already starting to sense this. You said after a month or so.
1: Yeah, it was definitely about a month to a month and a half in where I by by May I was not buying it anymore. I'm like, okay, hey, guys. We're well into this thing. Um, there was some sick people, absolutely. There was people sick with viruses. I had, uh, like I said, I think it was only one or maybe two max in that first couple of months where they tested positive. They just had a cold. They were sore throat, nausea, a little bit of nausea with it and just feeling weak and fevered, right? nothing, Nothing to the extent that they were saying to us. And even these elderly people who were full of like a viral pneumonia weren't testing positive for for covid so and they kept saying well the flu's gone it's like well i'm sorry uh i had a patient that was febrile had fulminating pneumonia that w- had, they had a virus beforehand and now they have a pneumonia that is so bad they're dying they test negative for covid yet you said the flu's gone but yet the last 13 years of my career um i picked these people up all the time and it's influenza a h1n1 Um, even influenza B can cause a lot of problems too. Right. Uh, but you're right. We all kept saying, well, it's, you know, you see it on the news or you're seeing these, uh, people with TikToks and they're showing these people with what we call CPAP or pressurized, uh, breathing apparatuses on there to help with their, uh, what they call positive ventilation. Right. So that they keep the lungs open. And, um, anyway, so they, And
0: to be clear, I mean, there were certainly people on, on ventilators. I I mean, like a friend of mine is a respiratory therapist and, and he certainly spoke to working with a number of COVID patients requiring ventilators and he had his concerns, but there wasn't, I, I never got a sense from him that like, this was a certainly not justifying, you know, locking down the whole nation and, uh, (laughs) and, uh, putting healthy people in prison in their own homes. Um, but like no one's no one's for a second denying that there was certainly a, a, a virus um, in in that respiratory family flying around. No, no, and, yeah, and that's not what I'm saying. No, yeah. no not at all. Yeah, no. Like, I just just to be clear for for, yeah, for yeah, the yeah, listeners, yeah. No, yeah. I'm not
1: saying there was no COVID and it's fake and nothing, none of that. I'm just saying that to the degree in which our everybody was reacting, we had seen these things in the past, right? Where our ICUs are often always full for the most yeah. part, like. For them to say our ICUs are full or ICUs are full, they're just televising our what's always the that case, had, mm-hmm. right? If if you people that are here watching, just Google offload delays, auto city of Ottawa or paramedic offload delays. You'll see you can go back for my entire career where the offload delays in these hospitals were astronomical. It's always been an issue, right? And by really, off, it,
0: offload to de- define that. Yeah.
1: So yeah. So offload mm-hmm. delay is. So when we pick you up, you're a patient. And so while you're in my care, until I come in, triage with the nurse, and then we can find you a bed for the nurse to put you in, you stay on our stretcher. So we call that offloading. So we take the patient from our stretcher, offload them to the hospital bed. Mm -hmm. Until that transfer of care is done, you're under the care of well, not me anymore as a paramedic, but uh, my, my co-workers that are still actively doing that kind of thing, right? So you're still under their care and the, the province of Ontario says that the paramedics are to be diligently reassessing and staying with their patient, right? And that right. we are the ones, even though inside the hospital, we're responsible for you. And so... Offload delays um, and hitting what they would call level zero because of that delay of being able to transfer the patient off of the stretcher um, was a huge issue, always has been. And now what's happening is you're seeing on some of these big mainstream media sites the problems that we've been having. We we have always had huge amounts of people into our hospitals. We have an aging population that they've been they've known this for Since the baby boomers were all born, that there was going to be a huge bubble of age, that age group, all requiring some advanced healthcare measures on a Mm. regular basis. And they didn't plan for it. Right. And we're seeing that progress into that. and, And our hospitals were filling up and have been full for a very long time. And now they're taking that and using it against us. Right. It's nothing really changed. If anything, it went the opposite way when they locked us down, because they didn't have surgical procedures, because they didn't have all these other individuals coming in for different treatments and all that, there was a lot more room in, in hospitals than there was prior to the, the lockdown, right? And so a lot of- like, indiv- It's
0: so strange, like for, for surgeons and stuff, like what, I don't understand the, the virus that well, but as, as far as I understand it, you, you, you don't need surgery ever, to deal with the, the virus. So why would, why would s- surgeries be canceled? Um, like, what is it the surgeons were doing then if they weren't doing surgery? Like uh, they, w- what was that all about?
1: Well, they, they weren't, most of them were doing anything. Like they were sending so the- nurses, nurses home, right? Like everybody here has seen TikTok videos with these nurses dancing or it, all these other uh, publicly funded uh, employees dancing around, doing nothing. It They yeah. literally were doing nothing. Most of them didn't even come to work, these surgeons and, and nurses. They were just sent home, right? Okay. They, there was nothing for them to do because they weren't doing minor to moderate surgeries anymore. They were only doing those. So they'd get have people on call in or have an emergency response team that would be there, say at uh, some of the higher acuity hospitals. Um, like not everybody went home, right? But there was just... There was less of everything happening and uh hospitals just weren't as full especially in the emerge that first two to four weeks of lockdown i've never seen an emergency room empty and there was like maybe a couple people in the emergency here and there in the emergency room sorry here and there but there was definitely not the fullness that they were referring to you know and we've heard doug ford and here in ontario say things like um Uh, covid's on the rise and hospitals are filling up well those are two truths after they unlocked us and people were interacting covid was on the rise and hospitals were filling up but they weren't one of the same right Mm. people were coming in
0: uh they're starting to get more comfortable yeah and now of course when we're driving more and when we're yeah. Doing, you know, going camping and the, the things you could end up injuring yep. yourself and yeah, exactly, playing sports. Yeah. I mean, yep. hockey, nearly every game I watch junior hockey, someone gets injured of some kind. So, yeah, of course, there's going to be, um, yeah, hospitals will be yep. filling up regardless. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know the number offhand, but what is our, our Canadian hospitals on average? What they sit in like the 80 some percent for capacity like always? Like it's high.
1: Oh, here, man, it's we're always at 100 for the most part it All might right. dip down into the 90s 90 percentile um in most urban hospitals across this province um they will always be in the high 90s um a lot of the hospitals in the ottawa region um they're always at 100 sometimes even 110 percent like they have people just laying in hallways and that disappeared yeah. right that people were so scared to come to the hospital. Because they thought the virus was, you know, we were breeding it there or something, right? Like, and I get it. Like, it's it's all new. People are scared. They don't want to get sick. They don't want to give it to their um, their loved ones. Like, I understand that. I, I was a little bit like that as well, right? And yeah. so we, do, we don't want anybody to come needlessly to the hospital. And so a lot of people were delaying that until they absolutely had to, which is what it, the emergency room is really meant for, Right are you dying? Are you having a stroke, a heart attack? Are you short of breath? Hit? Did you have a seizure? Like those big things, that's what an emergency room is for. But a lot of the times we're seeing, um, sore throats and more of a clinical, uh, clinic type issues coming in through yeah. the emerge because their local community doesn't have a clinic or, um, they can't get in to see their family doctor. It's going to be two, three months from now. Right. So over the years, people have started using the emerge a lot more for, for less um, purposeful reasons, right? Like what an emergency. Yeah, and it is the, are, right? the
0: downside of, uh, of our public health system is that there's, they don't see any, any costs to that. So, um, yeah. $2,500 like
1: so, I think every time. Yeah. You door, yeah and so
0: someone like, yeah. uh, my, myself i I've, I've been to the hospital i think just the once i got burned really bad when uh, yep. me, me and my uh, cousin who's a farmer we were uh we were burning a burn pile and anyway used too much gasoline and yeah, i was gonna say gas sounded like <laughs> it was involved there yeah, yeah. a couple of teenagers playing with gasoline yeah. anyway i got burned really bad on like 12 yeah. percent of my body and so, yeah. went so to that's the hospital. an emergency yeah. yeah and 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 that was the only time and then everything else um you know my family was well let me know if it gets worse kind of thing um <laughs> and then yeah, uh, in- yeah. yeah exactly and yeah. and there's no the way we're set up and for any american viewers who aren't kind of understanding how that works is that um mm-hmm. you everyone has to you know everyone contributes to this and uh some people would be using it yeah like just for a checkup basically going yep. to the emergency room and other people records. are are only going a couple times in their life and um, so, I mean, I'm not um, ripping apart our, our, our public health, uh, but there's definitely major flaws in that. And one of them is that issue of people just coming when they don't actually need to. And if if perhaps there was some like um, what in, in insurance you have your uh, deductible, you know, maybe maybe if it was even 50 bucks, it'd be like, well, do I need to, do I need to go yeah. get this? Uh, but obviously if it's a major concern, you know, there's not many people are going to be fretting about 50, even $20 would, would make people think like, do I need to actually go check this out for $20 or maybe wait till tomorrow? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and one of the big things that helped, uh, in, in America as best I can see is because of their, their system, there's much more hospital capacity because of the, um, the private uh, system that they have. And uh, there's much more availability of capacity. So they're not sitting there constantly at, um, you know, 90, 100 percent capacity. So when the slightest uptick hits, they're not overwhelmed. Which if if the biggest thing I think this pointed out for us was the huge flaws that we have uh, in our system. And I'm not saying that the answer is to to go American. That's got its own problems, but there's clearly major flaws. And instead of acknowledging those flaws, which are ultimately government problem they they pushed all of the blame on you know this this virus and instead of acknowledging any kind of issue within the system and especially like two years on you know if if they oh we don't have enough ventilators Mm. i'm like you had two years couldn't how hard are these ventilators to get your hands on can you not you can't order these somewhere like why are you still you've had two years to figure this out and you're still going to shut down businesses because supposedly you don't like buy a warehouse and fill it full of ventilators. I mean, you've been spending billions of dollars. Like
1: (laughs) the thing is, is you can have the ventilators, but if you don't have the room to put somebody in and the staffing to to support it, like currently right now, the way we currently sit like today, as we're speaking, you could have a thousand ventilators ready to go. They don't have the staffing to, to manage these things. There's hospitals around this province that are currently shut down because of staffing issues and even if we went back two or three years ago and had a thousand they just didn't have the space to put them you know what i mean like they had some of the staff to deal with it but the the backlog of say as to what i was saying before about offloading is because there's somebody sitting in an emergency bed waiting to be admitted to the floor but the floor is or the icu those rooms are full and it's like they mm-hmm. we just here in ontario do not have the infrastructure the We've been lacking for a very long time. In 2000, I think it was in around that time frame, um, we had a, a conservative government come in and just shut down a bunch of stuff, which isn't right either, knowing that we have an aging population, right? They they have created a crisis. And, and instead of fixing it from 20 plus years ago to now, they just kind of buried the problem, put Band-Aid fixes on it, Created offload nursing which is a great program but we put nurses in a little room off to the side and then paramedics can drop them there and go and get another call well that only lasts for so long right and then Mm. we're back you know uh we're a pretty busy area so it's just there's things that our government have done that or haven't done i should say and have done that just have set things up to be bad so yeah we have ventilators yeah they could have gone out and bought a thousand of them um But when they unlocked us, the hospital's filled right back up again, like immediately, right? right? And every time they had it on the news as like a primary thing, people were really scared and just didn't come to the hospital. So we had these like up and down, up and down with each lockdown where they're super busy, then they're super quiet. And don't get me wrong, as a paramedic, I loved (laughs) when it was quiet because that's good for you as a a person that would be calling. Um, But at the same time, I get paid the same no matter whether I'm... Dealing with right. the patient or not, right? Yeah, <laughs> we're paid to be available and to respond to the calls accordingly, right? Not necessarily to be actively working. And it's never a good thing when paramedics are working all the time because that means that people are really sick and it's not it's not good for them, right? And then we don't we don't want that. But uh, yeah, it, there there's so many problems inside our healthcare, and you're right. They are taking these situations and they were using it to their advantage, televising it. Um, people die if you look at flu stats from Stats Canada. Um, the total, let's not even look at the flu, there's total deaths, right? Um, death rates didn't really change a whole lot, they've been like up right. and down within a percentage or two, right? Um, or a few percentage. And now it's televised, and sorry, there's a mosquito flying around me. Um, that now it's televised, and uh, people are freaking out because to me, that's a regular day. It's not mm-hmm. uncommon for paramedics to sometimes be dealing with somebody uh, dying every day or once every week, you know, and sometimes depending if you really rule it, would be once a month. But in, yeah. in big urban cities, there's days where we would see, like, if you were the, uh, the black cloud kind of guy that we'd use as like the <laughs> uh, death reaper kind of dark humor that paramedics have, um, you can end up seeing multiple people in, in one day die. And is that common? No, but now they're televising it. Right. And that that was tick, tick, tick. Exactly.
0: That, that was something that really kind of tipped me over the edge on, on looking into this thing is I saw, and these weren't from just kind of random sources. They were like actually looking up the data myself on, on flu deaths. And uh, yeah, um, Cause I'd, you know, seen some things going around and I, I looked at that myself and the, when you look at a bad flu year, I mean, there, there were years on record, not too long ago where there was more recorded flu deaths than what we were seeing, uh, during uh, the height yep. of COVID and, yep. and, and like, how does that, and then there were these articles, I, I mean, I didn't have any on hand, but there were these articles came up. You can Google them where it was like, you know, no, no flu this year and, it, and, and yeah. not even for a go, second. Right? yeah did the like, media question Disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> i saw one out of the uk and it said yeah no no flu in the uk this year and 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 it didn't even yeah. see the humor in that article and it had all these reasons for oh maybe it's the mass maybe and all these reasons for why there's no flu and no one stopped to think like maybe it's not being recorded or maybe it's yeah. being falsely labeled yeah. Is somebody, yeah, yeah. yeah tens of thousands of people die of flu all the time. And if, yeah, well, if the, me, yeah. if the media, like you're saying, recorded all the deaths that you're witnessing on a regular basis and the packed out hospital rooms and the people waiting in, uh, in, in halls and, and standing around trying to get treatment, like it would look terrible because it is terrible. It, it's often very bad within, within our hospitals, but just because the media shined a spotlight on it didn't magically mean that it was so much worse than it's been in like other Uh, bad flu seasons and especially those in northern countries like this is something literally every winter is is an issue like we know we call it flu season like we know that this time of year people are going to start to get sick again which is the huge fear yeah what's going to happen this winter right are they going to do this all over again and and that's why it's so important that you know in the summer here we make some some changes and like this cannot be allowed to to happen again because the numbers of course are going to climb again in the in oh the
1: absolutely every year it's connected with like the sun vitamin d levels uh, a lot of researchers are saying well vitamin d levels start to drop by october the weather's cooling and above the like especially here in canada and, and certain parts of the upper states right um you're not outside You're then you start clothing uh, starts to get put on to keep warm. So you're not getting the right vitamin D levels, which is directly linked to a lot of viral infections, right? Because vitamin D is super. It's really it's a hormone, but uh, super beneficial for your health, right? So when that starts to drop and you don't have the same levels, um, that tends to be in that November, December, people start to really get sick. And then <clears throat> by January, it's full fledged, right? And mm. then that you see little ups and downs each year. Uh, where January, February it kind of dies down and then back again in March, down again and a little bit. And then there's a little peak right near the end in May, so it's just kind of like right and then comes back up. But and there's variations more- on that pattern yeah, yeah. every yeah. year, yeah, yeah, that's right. And and that's been like that, like you said, forever. Like we mm. we labeled it flu season because that's just the way it is, right? And now they're documenting these cases, like you said tens of thousands of flu cases every year that just overnight disappeared, like (laughs) declared the pandemic and flu doesn't exist. And it's Mm -hmm. like, really? Do you think I'm that silly to to buy into that when when I'm like I said before, I'm picking people up sick with something and it's coming back negative for your so-called PCR testing and antigen testing that PCR testing was being spoke about by July 2020 as being super inaccurate inside our own parliament, right? They were looking for other things because it just wasn't as accurate as they wanted and it was not being used properly, right? And the courts were saying, well, why? We're only allowed to use cycle it 25 times and you're cycling at 30 and 40 or more, right? Um, mm-hmm. And even our own Ontario health minister. i um, Can't remember the lady's name. I'm drawing a blank, uh, but she was, uh, I think she was the long-term care uh, health minister. She said in the fall of 2020, I think it was October-ish sometime, September, October, uh, she came out and actually made a statement, like you had said, that the projections were no different than any other flu season. There was no increase in it. There was no decrease in it. Nothing had really changed. The death rate stayed the same as well from year to year. So she doesn't see it being an issue. And then Doug Ford made her retract it. And then, and, and right, like, and then she's yeah. having to make a statement uh retracting her previous statement, which was truth, right? So I, I'm sure that there were some backroom conversations that went on saying, like, undo what you just did. Uh, because they had, people have here on the comments, like, it's a pandemic and all that stuff. I, I don't know. I wasn't involved in those conversations. Looking back, he made her retract it. If that's the truth, the truth should be out there. And she was, it was truthful. I was witnessing that. Um, I didn't see any more or less of the same kind of symptomatic uh, uh, viral infections from 2012 right through to, or 2009, or, you know what I mean? Like, and I worked through the H1N1 pandemic as well. And it's like, nothing changed. (laughs) Like we, to me,
0: her statement was completely accurate. And yet she's being forced to... Well, it became so political. And and so whether whether there's some deep conspiracy or not is, uh, uh, I don't know, but it certainly became political and and, uh, just because it became super politically charged doesn't mean, you know, there's some deep conspiracy. Like look at this. I mean, this paper straw thing that I have this. deep hatred of <laughs> and every plastic time i go in a paper straw that, yeah or i go get it yeah. I, I, I like getting milkshakes occasionally i'm a milkshake fan and then oh, when yeah, it yeah. gets served in a paper straw and I, yeah i got this big plastic cup and the one thing that goes in my mouth and, and goes in the milkshake and gets wet is made of paper and i ends up all soggy and disgusting but you're <laughs> a terrible person if you for a second think that maybe you should just use a plastic straw and they, yeah. you know, I, I gave a restaurant a piece of my mom one time. And they said, oh, something about the turtles. And I was like, we live like a thousand miles from the nearest ocean. The landfill is 20 minutes that way. And it's that's that's where this straw is going to end up. It's not going to end up in the ocean. Anyway, point being that they get, it becomes so politically charged. It's not about uh, the virus. It's not about anything. It's because this is what we're supposed to think. Oh, this is what these other people are saying oh, this is what Trudeau's saying. I guess I should say this too. I don't want to stand out. I don't want to be different. I don't want to, you know, go against the grain. I don't want to use my brain or maybe I just don't have a brain. But it's like, it's less (laughs) to me about whether there's some big conspiracy and more just the complete inability to think for yourself. We saw this with mask mandates where one, you know, I think maybe it was Toronto or somebody first threw on the mask mandates. And then you'd see, you know, Oakville doing a mask mandate, the Mississauga, and then small towns surrounding it. And then it was like, Well, I guess we all should do that because they're doing it. It's like, why can't you as a municipality think for yourself or like here in the tri cities, it was like one city did it and then the other one did it. And then the third one's like, well, I guess we should do it too because the other two cities did it. Like, that's not an argument. Like you just don't want to make a decision and then they're too afraid to be wrong. And so they just go along with the other people and then, yeah, it just puts the onus on someone else. Of, I don't yeah. need to think for myself. I'll just copy what they're doing. And I think yeah. honestly, so much of this is, 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 from that. It's just from like one person overreacted and then other people just have to copy that. And all of a sudden we're all overreacting and no one remembers why we're overreacting in the first, <laughs> yeah. what's that mass psychosis or something like that in their term? Yeah. For, yeah. 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 It, it reminds me of, there was a thing a while back of the, um, with the daycares in the U S where There were secret tunnels underneath them and children were being stolen down into these secret tunnels do do you know do you remember no not really but that doesn't sound good yeah (laughs) no anyway it it was all um i forget the name of maybe some of the comments can say but you can look that up it was this whole conspiracy that developed and all these kids were coming out with stories and it was on the news and that that they were pulled into these secret tunnels underneath the, the the daycare and and it and then all of a sudden all over the country kids were saying that they had experienced this and, and, you know, they even they went and they searched these places and they, it all became this mass hysteria across the country that there was this secret underground network of kids at preschools getting pulled down uh, underneath into these basements and like half the places didn't even have basements. And so but it's like incredible that power of of uh, just groupthink and where because someone else is saying it, then I must believe it and and, and the inability to 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 think reasonably about these things. So. To yeah. call it just the flu was like no, you can't do that. And then the media got on board, and big tech got on board. It, it literally, if we had had this conversation a year ago, it, you know, it would be deleted by now. Like, <laughs> we'd be blocked. Oh, absolutely,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's what's and crazy. even even some of my previous interviews that I did last year, I wasn't allowed to use certain words, right? Like, yeah. you, you use certain words, and and that was that's extremely tough. And then you then you end up messing up saying certain things because you're so concentrated on your vocabulary and it's one thing to avoid cursing but it's another to not use words that i have used in my daily life especially work life uh, for years you know what i mean and and now to try and like cut out certain words was just impossible (laughs) like and uh because the censorship was huge big tech like Mm -hmm. you said we're just taking everything down and and like even even my video um that you mentioned earlier when we were backstage it people kind of recognized me from um a video that i interviewed that i'd done asked me a few questions whipped out their phone and started recording me and i didn't even know they were live streaming it until a little ways in and i'm like oh okay you're not just recording it for your personal use you are literally putting this out there and it was like 12 30 at night but uh that that is still circulating today especially because of tech companies like twitter now now it's open and not being censored and it was being suppressed before and now it's just going crazy and you know and it's just things like that like
0: it just demonstrates the need of, of free speech because right yeah yeah we don't know what the um you know the, and that's why you need that open communication and and allow people to think critically because um especially in a new situation like that everything's so new uh, we have this assumption that because this person has this role of like chief whatever that they must be uh the ultimate knowledge on this but yeah. i mean yeah. I, you know a little bit from behind the scenes in, top in, in doctor. Me, in <laughs> me, like yeah because just because they're canada's top doctor does not automatically mean that they have access to so much more information and i'm not Word just i'm not suggesting listen to just like you know, Joe down the street, um, in, in, you know, Joe down the street might have some interesting things to say, but there were other doctors, plenty of other doctors, uh, who had differing perspectives and, and simply the fact they have some, uh, title. Cause I mean, still on YouTube, uh, it read, I was actually reading through what I'm allowed to say and not to say, and it has you know, anything that goes against, um, whatever the WHO has put out and, and just these arbitrary, like, Oh, because they, yeah, yeah, because they say it, um, but uh, yeah, I, I want to shift into, uh, so getting into then, um, so obviously you had all these concerns and then we move into the era of, uh, of the vaccine. So yeah. um, what uh, what were your thoughts on that initially when that was coming into play? Well, like I had mentioned before, to me it was
1: everything, when I have to convince patients to go to the hospital because they're having a heart attack, they're so scared about this virus that I'm just not seeing and in two years, only having 21 COVID positive patient, and only one of them being truly sick, the vaccine to me was just like one of those things that our government was just trying to do something mm-hmm. to give people that peace of mind that they could have some protection, right? Um, didn't like how it happened really quick. I know technology's changed, and and we can develop things a lot quicker, um, but. It, to me on a personal level i just straight up wasn't going to get it because i didn't think it was that big of a an issue right <clears throat> to warrant going and getting something that was still under a trial run and when i reviewed a lot of the data that uh, pfizer put out to me it was just super clean something just it just seemed like a normal day through all their their research right they had 44,000 people ish that uh, all just went on living life and some of the other things too that that are in there, like um, to me was a little bit alarming. So a contact, for instance, uh, for pregnant women, a contact was, so if my wife was in the control group, me as a paramedic going to work and somebody was vaccinated, if I came home and exposed her, she had to report it. Even though I didn't get the vaccine, I was I was exposed to somebody that had the vaccine. And then me just coming home to her they had to report that if she was pregnant to me, I was looking at it going, what is with that? Right. Like,
0: sorry, just this was some... in, explain that that was in the Pfizer documents.
1: Yeah. Yeah. In, inside their their uh, when they, so there's phase one trialing, which they do on like animals yeah. and then phase two, that phase two trialing, you could read everything that they, they all did and some of the criteria for reporting and some of the things that they were looking for. Right that particular exposure for a controlled group they had to report it if if their spouse or somebody they knew came to them and had just recently been around somebody who was vaccinated obviously not going so to just be Suggesting that
0: that could affect the control somehow
1: yeah, yeah. and to me I was like were... right and i was looking at it going
0: how does that make sense
1: like well i don't know and i haven't looked, looked enough of me. these
0: do they have would would that be something in in other uh, is that just a standard practice thing? I don't want to jump to any conclusions. Maybe.
1: But- maybe. I, and yeah. and like that could very well be. But to me, anyway. I was looking at it going, hmm, why is that? A, why is that something that they they're looking at? And then mm-hmm. MRNA being brand new. Is that why they're looking at it? Are they trying to figure out if it can jump from person to person? Like, I don't know. All I know is that there was things that I was reading that because I am only a paramedic, by no means am I an expert on uh, paramedics are jack of all trades, master of none, right? Yeah. we're good at a lot of things but we're not experts in any of these things right we can keep up with the best of them but can't really uh, uh, be a first, like an expert I'm not a I'm not a virologist right nor am I a vaccinologist I'm not you just keep leader. them alive until you get them that's right the- that yeah. that's what I do best right yeah whatever Sometimes. the injury or yeah 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 and so I'm reading this and I'm just all these things that I'm reading inside their research and what they were doing and just even some of the things that were happening to their control groups like this is just really clean like it just for something that's so new and never been used you would think there'd be a hiccup somewhere where they'd be like yeah we need to take an extra month to look at this because we don't know why that was happening that wasn't there
0: right well of course and, no. and, i mean the whole world think about this from like uh, a business perspective i mean in some sense okay yes everyone gets all upset and i get like i think everyone well everyone used to universally agree that pharmaceutical companies were evil you know it, that was like of course they're evil. I mean, we all know that. Um they're mm-hmm. out to make they're out to make money. But at the same time, right. at the end of the day, it's a business they're trying to make money. And this is the ultimate, you know, opportunity, right? Because yeah. the whole Every world government. is terrified and they're begging for this vaccine and governments yeah. are willing to throw billions of dollars. That's right. Of course you want to be first yeah. to oh, I got one. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> like and so that was
0: alarming to me, right? It's, that it's, there was Yeah, it's so alarming. You know? It's such a, a, a contra- like um a conflict of interest, massive conflict of interest.
1: Yeah. And so to me, I just, with knowing that COVID to me wasn't as big of a deal um, through 2020 and into 2021, when they brought it forward to us and said, hey, do you want it? I said, no. Uh, I looked right at some of my supervisors and colleagues. I'm like, I'm going to increase my study group and I'm going to observe for myself, right?
0: You guys go ahead.
1: You go ahead and try it. And uh, when you start stroking out or growing an extra arm or something weird, I'll, I'll deal with it. Right. And obviously I'm being facetious with that, yeah. that statement, right? Like, I don't think that's actually happening, but uh, anyway, um, just I so just wanted YouTube
0: to editors. No, yeah. making a
1: joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't censor joke. me. <laughs> yeah. So I was just, I was monitoring them right to see what was going to happen to some of my colleagues, including like police, fire, all the nursing staff, physicians, we were all offered it at the same time, as well as some of the elderly in in uh, nursing and retirement homes, right? Hmm. And they started to introduce that into January. And by February, March, I was having some s- concerns, especially when people got their second doses. Um, uh, a month or two later, they got their second dose. And to me, some of my colleagues were having some, some issues that to me, I just went, no, thanks. <laughs> like mm-hmm. one of the girls that I'd known for right through college, um, she had uh, a rash that just wouldn't go away. She's like, Thomas, I feel itchy in my organs. Like it's like coming through my skin itchy, right? And to me, I was just, I looked at her and she, she pulls up her shirt and shows me this rash. And it's just like, wow, no, <laughs> like to me, that's good enough. And I, I started picking people up that were also complaining when they introduced that into the general population. Um, like your
0: paramedic calls, you mean?
1: Yeah, so the calls mm-hmm. that I was attending to, other people were also having that. And so as they kept opening the groups of uh, the different demographics that were then allowed to have it, I started to become very concerned because I was seeing things that I either were rare for me to, to have contact with or I had never seen at all, uh, neurological problems. Um, people bleeding from surgical sites that you while well, you find out later on that they're bleeding from a surgical site that's 50 years old, you know, hmm. and it's it's like weird. It's why is that happening? Um, abdominal pains, menstrual, especially surrounding their first menstrual strike cycle after their their last dose in that two to four weeks, um, depending on when you had, had that dose. 28 days later, women's cycles tend to be on a 28 day cycle, right? So depending on when they had it. It feel they'd call 911 because it felt like somebody was, they described it as being gutted. Like somebody was in there with razor blades, just going at them. Right. And to me, it was, I was seeing all these things and then picking up young people that young people being under the age of 40, people no different than you and I mm-hmm. that are having heart attacks. Right. And it's, I'm going with well, And that. that's
0: coming up in the comments a lot here about, yeah, people having heart attacks, strokes. Yeah yeah that's
1: right and so we're seeing strokes heart attacks and then just people complaining of chest pain and one of the things that really bothered me is that i'm looking at this young person and going you're 18 years old everything you're describing everything i'm looking at is saying you're a cardiac patient i should be treating you as if you're having a heart attack or having some kind of cardiac issue that i just can't figure out in the back of my ambulance and i'm going but you're 18, like this shouldn't be happening, you know, and it turns out they have myocarditis, right? And a lot of these people you'll see on the news that, oh, they've recovered. Well, recovery doesn't from myocarditis doesn't mean they're healthy, right? People just assume that there's all kinds of studies out there. I'd have to look at it. uh, So don't take me exactly for, for the percentages, but it's a, a good chunk of percentage of myocarditis cases. They end up dying within a few years of, of having myocarditis, and then those who don't die within that period of time, their life expectancy is is often shortened significantly. They they develop things like CHF, kidney disease, um, various other problems, right? Just because their their hearts
0: they just can't uh, their heart just can't keep up, right? And, and people to... people most definitely um, whether it ever got reported or not, it's <clears throat> I mean it's impossible that some young people didn't die of myocarditis. And I know a little bit about this because, um, my brother from a a previous vaccine as a young person, um, when he was a kid, I don't remember what the vaccine was, but he got a vaccine and, um, we didn't think anything of it. And then it was, uh, after a few weeks, he started getting really short of breath. And, um, like I said, like I said earlier, my family wasn't one to concern too much, but, oh, you, you know, you'll get over it. You just, uh, stop complaining. And then he ended up like almost passing out, walking up the stairs and all of a sudden they went to get him checked. And uh, we got a call late at night and the, the cardiologist said like, send him to emergency now. Like his heart could fail at any point. And his heart was functioning at something like 20, 30% of capacity. Like it was barely, it was barely still going and he could have basically collapsed at any point. And it's almost, it, well, clearly this stuff happens. I saw it uh, firsthand from a a completely different vaccine. And, and so, and everyone knows, I mean, anyone who in medicine knows that these can be side effects. And the, the issue is not that there's some side effects. The issue is you are forcing this upon people who don't need it. Right. Because for whatever you think about it, it's, I mean, I already had got uh, probably COVID like once or twice before the vaccine was even a thing. And so it's like, well, that wasn't a big deal. What, obviously, you know, the immune system is our first line of defense, and we always learn about that. As, you know, and, and that's a very popular thing in the, certainly yeah. within the left is about oh natural and and so what is more natural <laughs> than allowing your immune system to to fight this uh, vaccine uh, or to fight this uh, virus for itself? And so the only reason I I, I was holding off is because like, well, I had this. It's not a big deal. And so why would I not allow my body to, to fight this naturally? And I wasn't even, it wasn't so much later I got into more, some concerns about the vaccine itself. It, initially it was just, well, I had that, that wasn't a big deal. My grandparents had it. wasn't a big deal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's the big deal? Um, and so that's why I, I, I never, but I, I, obviously this, uh, the reaction is a thing to, to any vaccine. And, and we're going to see tons of that when you're forcing it upon people. So it's one thing for someone to choose to go get a vaccine and end up with a reaction, but to them to be, you know, basically a gun to their head. And yeah, if you want to keep your job, if you want to go to this school, you need to do this. And without any clear, um, I mean, I certainly, I haven't heard of anyone who, you know, went through a, a whole consent form with all the stats about, uh, you know, here's your like the the simplest thing: cost benefit. Like, what's my percentage of dying of COVID? What's my percentage of reaction? If yep. you know, if I have a a 0.001 percent of COVID and a 0.01 percent of the the vaccine, then it's like, well, why would I bother? Because it's like, why would I take a risk on this thing when, I mean, there's there's no benefit to it. Um, and then that stat changes when you get up to older ages or with high vulnerabilities. And so perhaps, right. at the, yeah, at that point, it makes sense. Okay, you have a, a, you know, a 40% chance of dying of COVID and a, a fairly low chance of a reaction. So it makes sense to to do the vaccine, but to force it upon people like me and you, uh, there's just yeah. no justification for it.
1: No, that's right. And, and like you said, you're, if you look at the stats with COVID, those who they were claiming had it and died from it, um, those individuals were often above the age of 65 right and had multiple comorbidities um the most common i think was like diabetes obesity hypertension those things right um <clears throat> so those those you and i likely don't have uh, obviously there are some young people um years ago i had a 35 year old guy who had h1n1 he died from it right and it was only like five six years ago that that happened and yeah, he, he was also sick with other issues and it just, it took him, but you, you do, you need to look at those, those risks, right. And, and reference to your brother, it's like you, you went out and you chose to get it, um, whatever that vaccine was previously. Um, but it is it, like you said, a very different thing when you're being said, no, you will get this. And if you don't, you can't feed your family or whatever the, the case may be. Right. Yeah. To me, it's totally inappropriate. And then for these individuals to be coming down with myocarditis and, and or a neurological problem is just not right. You know, now they, they're bedridden, they're not able to do things. And again, with this particular vaccine, it's not the same as some of the, well, it isn't the same as some of the other ones, right? The treatment for this with spike proteins and just inflammation from it taking over the host cells. Um, maybe the vaccine went there, resided, started to replicate inside the cardiac cells, right? Creating the myocarditis or there was a bioaccumulation of the spike proteins in there and you had an immune response to that area as well. Right? Like there's other, there's multiple different reasons as to why they may or, or may not come down with myocarditis where with your, with your brother, maybe it created an infection from the injection site that traveled to his heart or you know what I mean? There there's always risks with every medical procedure going to the dentist. Yeah. Um, endocarditis, myocarditis, pericarditis, those things all surrounding the heart from just having somebody inside your gums, right?
0: Well, read the like back it, of a pack of Advil. And and there's, there's things that, it, you know, there's every, anytime you take part in a medical procedure, any medicine mm-hmm. of any kind, even the most, uh, tame yeah, can, yeah. can, uh, can do, um, can have issues. So, yeah. and, and what yeah, yeah. made it even worse with my brother's situation is that, um, this complete denial of uh ex- like accepting that anyone might not be able to take this vaccine he had a letter from his doctor with their cell phone number on it and like restaurants wouldn't accept that like there was yeah. no formal uh, exemption letter he's like well, literally call my doctor right now and because the <laughs> doctor he he went and he he was neither here nor there about the the vaccine but he because of what had happened to him before he consulted his doctor who dealt with him during the myocarditis and said you know what do you think i should do and the doctor said it's not worth it you're not at risk so don't bother you know because you had this before you could have it again so just leave it and wrote him an exemption letter and and the the issue that he had of trying to get to 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 restaurants or to get flights um, because he had a, a, a very valid a medical reason because a yeah. vaccine almost killed him. And... Yeah, they um, create that
1: two-tier society, right? Yeah. Like, that y- you can do this if you have that, but if you don't, you can't. And your brother had a, a legitimate issue and a legitimate concern. Like, I've reacted previously, but yet they had these policies coming out saying that until you've received one dose and had that reaction, you're not allowed to be exempt. And it's like... Why? And you know, uh, I re- referred to that in in one of those other videos, right? And so you've got the College of Physicians and Surgeons stating to some of these doctors, do not do this, do not do that or we'll yank your license, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, come on, allow your doctor, somebody that you have a relationship with who knows you in your history, or whatever medical professional you see, whether it be even a nurse practitioner, they know who you are. They know your issues, the concerns, the likelihoods of you reacting to it. So they should be the ones to say yes or no to it. You shouldn't have to go and get this potentially life-threatening uh, disorder or disease process to, to then go, okay, second dose, I don't have to do it. I almost died the first one. Like, come on, you know.
0: Well, and for Um, such a minor uh, thing, and then now, especially this stage in the game, where it's well, I mean, even uh, everyone is accepting and admitting now at this point that it doesn't work the way that they wanted it to, and so you can still get it again, and so why on earth would you risk this uh, if you can still get it again? So anyway, so they start mandating this, which is absolutely insane, and as we explain to viewers who don't know already, our... Our medical system is way overwhelmed always, and then yeah. they start laying off hundreds, thousands of, uh, of of medical employees. And I don't know if they thought that like we would all just roll over and and be a good boy and do what we're told. Um, <laughs> yeah, but obviously
2: always. that
0: <laughs> no, no, and and not myself either. And that's not how yeah. a free country works. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I don't know what govern what country they thought they were living in. Yeah. But this is Canada, the true, North, strong, and free. And just because, um, you you say that I have to do this, well, uh, no, thanks. Um, so so the mandates start coming in, and um, actually, or actually, before I do that, I wanted to uh, I want to show this video. So we were talking about these reactions and stuff that you were starting to see. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I want to show this video uh, that that was put out. Um, this is uh, from the yeah, Western. Standard, and uh, it's- um, The one I was
1: dog tired and they, they caught me off guard with. <laughs> okay, and you just yeah. you
0: just kind of let loose. Um, oh yeah, yeah, because so, yeah, so,
1: I didn't realize they were recording me, to be honest. So the you.
0: title here is Ottawa Paramedic Resigns and Exposes What He Witnessed. Do you ask them about their vaccine um, okay. status,
1: yeah? Uh, Depending on what was happening, yeah, often I would just inquire, just as like a, hey, just out of curiosity, are you vaccinated? And then they'd say yes, then I would dig into it a little bit more. Uh, But after they started to introduce it into the general public, pretty much every patient for months and months and months would say hey, I just received my vaccine X number of days ago and this started happening, rashes, neurological issues, Uh, when they were having like after their first menstruational cycle, they were having severe pain, right? Uh, Weird bleeding, abdominal issues, uh, I think I mentioned neurological problems, right? Like weird jerking sensations. Uh, lots of headaches, even go back my entire career. I spent in what they call offload delay, Mm -hmm. trying to wait to get a bed to give to a patient, right? COVID hit, and all of a sudden I was, what do you mean that I don't have to wait? I'm so used to being able to go up to the computer, do my my form, wait four hours, and then go do another call. That like overnight disappeared. It was like a light switch. And then there was a period of time where like, we're built back up, where we had some call volume again. There was some minor delays. And then they'd lock us down again on Ontario and that would disappear. We wouldn't have any delays again. And then we'd open up again. But then they started vaccinating people and it was immediate. All of a sudden, as soon as they started letting people our age start yeah. having the vaccine, chest pains, all these issues that started popping up that normally I would be standing there and be like, okay, normally I'd start nitrating you or uh, treating you as a cardiac chest pain, but you're like 20 years old. Oh. And, uh, and that, that was very common and they just kept suppressing it. Well, they suppressed it at the higher levels inside the hospital. They were concerned
0: there we go so um no doubt you got a bit of flack for that i imagine (laughs) yeah yeah. well Uh, and uh, uh, i'm
1: yeah go ahead no no i like well you could probably play the the next video
0: yeah yeah yeah, i I did want to before i play the next one i want to add so you talked about that suppressing at the at the higher levels yeah um is that just kind of your 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 guess of what's going on or did you see some of that going on what did that look like for the suppression within the medical system um well i already referred to like the ontario well
1: the college of physicians and surgeons all across the nation for the most part were putting out those like these statements to these uh physicians right i know a couple physicians that received warnings because they were writing um uh those exemptions and telling them not that it couldn't be the vaccine to, to look into other problems, right? <clears throat> Just causing some some hardship for them. And uh, then, then there was locally, there was one of our, our specialty hospitals came out and made like a clinic for vaccine injured cardiac patients. Next thing you know, a month later, they're retracting it going, yeah, I guess uh, we were wrong. We don't really need that anymore. We we were expecting more, but didn't see that many. And so I, I'm referring to there was some of these places um, they receive a lot of funding from big uh, pharma, right? Mm-hmm. And so they likely got again. I, I'm not privy to their backroom conversations, but I would imagine it when all of us are seeing these cardiac patients, all these people that are having problems, they don't spend a crap ton of money to to create these rooms in a program for all this to then just scrap it right and so literally within a very short period of time they came out making a statement saying they were very concerned with everything they're seeing we need to do something about it create the program and then a month later they just retract it pull it back and that to me is like what's going on there you know what i mean like I, i i can only speculate right like i don't have any concrete evidence to say oh, yeah, so-and-so walked in and told them to shut her down. Like, I don't know that. But I do know from talking to some of my friends who are physicians, they were receiving warnings and, and threats to have their license pulled. One of them actually had her office raided. The, the, they came in and took all of their her documents and went through everything to find if, out who she they, wrote the exemptions. exemptions to. Yeah, yeah, yeah and things that she was treating and why she was treating them as such. They went through absolutely everything. And so to me, knowing all of that. It's just like, that's not okay. When, when a, when a doctor's concern, that's their right. That's not the College of Physicians and Surgeons job to start regulating. That's the medical advisory committee that's supposed to do that. And there's other entities too, that should be saying things and they're, they're all suppressing it. They're all saying no, no, it can't be. Even the doctors eventually started saying, well, it can't be. Well, it's prove that it's not. There's actually rules surrounding like if you have an issue after being vaccinated, something like six or eight weeks later, um, they're just to assume, rule it out, report it and let them figure it out so that they can know whether that particular drug or vaccine is safe um, for, for future use. Right. And that was just being shut down. They didn't want to do it. There's a lot of paperwork that goes with it. Then, when they do do it, it's grief, right? You get these (laughs) guys coming in, people coming in and going through everything of yours just because you labeled somebody vaccine injured or gave them an exemption, right?
0: Yeah. And it's just this it's no wonder this is the ultimate like breeding pot of like every possible conspiracy under the sun to to levels that like you know i i I tend to agree there's uh there's truth to to like crazy um like you you should probably get um some help kind of uh ideas and but it's absolutely no wonder that it's the ultimate breeding pod for that because the the cover-up the cover-up is real and as to whether the cover-up is just incompetence and uh doing what they're told and like i talked about groupthink and all that or because yeah. you know someone's pulling the strings i tend towards to lean towards the group think and and incompetence and because government is is plenty incompetent and yeah. assume, yeah. there's all this assumption when when you're obsessed with following the rules and and just doing what the higher ups and the lack of critical thinking then it creates these very dangerous recipes because one person makes a stupid call uh, because they're incompetent and it trickles down to millions of people, and they all just assume that someone up the chain must have a good reason for this. But it turns out the emperor has no clothes, and there was never a good reason for this. I mean, I talked about that in another episode about that, like that whole six feet apart thing of it, just like someone pulled that out of their hat, and then that became gospel, and we're all like, Oh, yeah, we gotta do the sick, we gotta keep them safe. And there's just no there's no science to to support that. Of like, obviously, the further away. The better but as to just throwing a number like six feet out is just literally out of the hat and uh and then we know too you need to spend a significant amount of time and i with someone to can to get a virus and i the the actual risk of walking past someone and picking up a virus on the street is just just next to nothing and i remember my mother very early on telling me about these things as as a nurse that um the when you're just like past you need to spend a like a significant amount of time which is why even as in the healthcare profession you can you can do a call with a very sick person and all you're only with them for the time you help them get them to the hospital and move on and and your risk is fairly low of contracting whatever they have because it's not you need to take on a significant amount of the virus in order for your body to to end up being overcome by it and uh, it's not this issue, this thing of like where people are moving on the sidewalks in order to avoid going past someone. It's just. Oh, yeah,
1: it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, yeah.
0: It, and,
1: and they're freaking out because you didn't give them that six feet. And it's yeah. uh, indirect and direct contact are the most common. And so when you go throw a mask on somebody, you then create them this whole touch in their face and, and pulling at the mask. You're more likely to get sick from inappropriate use of PPE, the protective equipment, than you are if you had hadn't had it on at
0: all. Which right? is what they said at the start of yeah. all this, right? right? And, it's and then true. they, they, the they flipped. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, "There's no point using this if you don't know how to use it properly, and you're not because." And I understand. And they're in surgery. For example: You're you're obviously trying to stop from essentially spitting, spitting in into them? an open wound <laughs> yeah and but then as soon as you're done you you take it off and if you go see a new patient you switch it out and like it's um but for just walking around uh, passing people on the streets or it absolutely serves no purpose yeah, me, and
1: no, yeah, exactly uh,
0: to breathe it's never meant to breathe your own filth for eight hours a day i mean i had the same mask in my car uh for the entire time basically and like i had like two or three of them and then anyone in the car who needed one would borrow it so like yeah (laughs) the uh, absolute (laughs) cesspool those things um and you know the kids are doing that too obviously immunity mask yeah yeah so absolutely disgusting Uh, who knows um anyway maybe i developed some immunity from a number of other things because oh i'm I'm sure you did yeah
1: (laughs) Yeah,
0: i I shared masks all over the place Pull yeah. some scruffy one out of a pocket, and um, anyway. But getting off topic. So, um, yeah, there's these major. You're having all these concerns with with the the reactions to vaccines, and you're you're not seeing the justification for any of this. You don't want to get vaccinated yourself. Then you start speaking publicly uh, like this, and um, things started building and building and building. And then I'm going to show the the video here. Uh, let's just, yeah, we'll go ahead and show the resignation video and then we'll uh, we'll talk about that a bit. So um, this is the the video he then released and um, we'll go ahead and watch it here. This is Thomas O'Connor. I'm a paramedic with the City of Ottawa.
1: I've been working as a paramedic for the City of Ottawa for 13 years. It saddens me to resign from a profession that I know and love so much. In the 13 years that I have served this city, I've never been this utterly disgusted with the blatant disregard for basic human rights, our constitutionally guaranteed right to free speech and basic Canadian values. I have been on the front lines assisting the young, the elderly and the injured. I've held the hands of those who are drawing their last breath and I have also assisted those drawing their first. I am a son, a brother, a father, and a husband. I have dedicated my life serving the residents of Ottawa. cannot believe that the man entrusted with Ottawa Ottawa's well-being has stooped to the level of servitude of this partisan liberal agenda when i saw the extent of the damage of the covid-19 vaccine mandates and any other mandates that have come since then and how it's inflicted on my community my country and the world I had to join this grassroots movement. I decided I needed to stand alongside the fellow Canadians fighting for their life and their liberty. I must tell you Mayor Jim Watson, Manager Steve Kanellakis and Paramedic Chief Pierre Poirier, I have been here on the grounds and I have seen the happiness of people smiling Their faces with joy, and all the children and other Canadians and any other uh, imaginable demographic uniting together to peacefully protest the mandates that they disagree with. The city consists, the city you've sworn to protect, dear Mayor, is more than just brick and mortar. The city consists of flesh and bones, the same flesh and bones that all Ottawa and Canadian citizens are made of. They are all law-abiding and hard-working people. They have brought joy and hope back to this country and to the world. This brings me to say that I cannot stand to watch this incredible government overreach. I can no longer in good conscience draw a living off of a system that I know is harming my family my city and my nation this is my official resignation
0: yeah so obviously that was a very difficult video for you to make it's obviously a job that you were very passionate about um what and you made that uh during the convoy um I, I guess it was around the same time when you finally yeah. uh spoke up and said something so tell me kind of what led to that Where you well you weren't were you you weren't working at the time because of the mandates and but then what finally did you decide to that okay i can't go back to this ever
1: so i i was at, i was all over the place at that point in time right like I, I just didn't like where our medical field was going the mistreatment then because you were unvaxxed you couldn't go into hospitals you couldn't see your loved ones but yet the vaccinated could would they created this two-tiered society that uh i just couldn't stand for right our government was overreaching they were affecting everyone's lives when i was at work um, <clears throat> people were straight up being denied health care because their doctors wouldn't see them because they were unvaccinated uh, i have mm-hmm. a friend same thing they said you get vaccinated we'll fix your problems Otherwise, don't talk to us. And that's still happening. And that is unethical, inappropriate, and should never, ever have happened in this society. And so seeing all that, knowing all that, and then watching what was happening downtown for people that were just standing up against all this stuff, I could see the city progressing to the point where they were going to be complete. Well, they did. They were already offside on a few other standpoints and i was trying to disconnect from that i couldn't be connected to it i didn't want to have anything to do with it um, i was raised as a christian man and still am um, i've never associated myself with anybody that was inappropriate in any real capacity and for me i just couldn't and, sh- and wasn't a- going to start allowing that just because it was a job right Uh, My employer, both provincially and and at the municipal level, were doing things to people inappropriate on all premises, right? Whether it was people at the convoy or prior to that, it doesn't matter. Um, Things they would teach teach us constantly, de-escalate, de-escalate, de-escalate. They didn't do that. They didn't need to do what they did at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. They could have done it at 3 a.m. when there was nobody around. And they they have made a huge mistake and I did not want to be attached to that. And and I wanted others to realize that that shouldn't happen. And so I had this massive battle happening and I just said to my wife one day, I'm like, I'm done. I, I cannot watch a medical system that takes an oath to do what's right medically for people, deny people access to healthcare or mistreat those who are inside the healthcare system, having their elderly die without um, their loved ones surrounding them. When they teach us all the time that, the, like that, the wholeness in a sense has a bunch of different factors, and spiritual and having loved ones around you, those two things are big key items. And they weren't allowing that.
0: Hmm.
1: They weren't allowing those things on end of life processes to occur, and or just visiting people who are going to die. And it to me it was just. Not okay. I could not have a medical system that says that they're doing good for people, lie to people, and then mistreat them. I just couldn't be connected to that and then throw all the other stuff into the the hat as well. I just woke up and I'm like, that's it. I'm done. This is, this is going sideways fast. Cannot be a part of this. I need to get away from the, the city, away from this uh, inappropriate behavior that all of our people in our, our society are okay with. Right. We've got people marking children. uh, I think you mentioned it at some of these um, camps and stuff as vaccinated and unvaccinated. I've had a parent say, Oh, yeah, yeah, that actually happened to my child. What is happening? You're, you're, if you're, if you want to get vaccinated, by all means, like, I don't have any disregard to that individual or mean no disrespect to them, but you need to understand that you are being treated differently than somebody like me who is unvaccinated and it's not okay that that's happening families are dividing people are so polar opposite to each other it's unreal and it's just it needs to stop we need to come together and be be more loving and respectful to one another regardless of our differences on on many different levels both medically and just even If you want to bring in skin color, religion, any of these other things, we just need to treat people appropriately and that's not happening and it's getting worse by the day. Right. And to me, I just wanted to throw that message out there that I'm taking a strong stance and others need to do the same thing. If we don't do this, if we don't stand up, we're going to have some massive problems in our society and it's going to continue to to get worse. And at the time, that's the only thing I could think of is just, publicly resigning and making the world know that it's not okay how we're treating people um in, in in every aspect of life right
0: yeah and thank you so much for doing that i mean clearly we can see in the video it was not not an easy decision you obviously oh, no. en- enjoyed uh what you were doing and then having a young family um bringing in that uncertainty um but uh yeah, I respect so much that conviction and to not want to be a part of that. And, you know, we talk in, about this issue and I brought it up before, Of you know, on Remembrance Day, we say less, less we forget. And um, but what Man. is it? What is it we yeah. we don't want to forget? Right. And it, it's that yeah. we don't want to forget that when things start going this direction, when people are othered, when people are being segregated and demonized then good people need to stand up and say no like that's this right. is wrong and we're not going to allow this we're never going to allow this again we've seen what happens in history when people are branded when they're segregated yep. when they're othered uh and we're not going to let that happen again and good men and women are going to stand up and say no not in my country not in my world uh, are we going to allow that to happen ever again and that's what we remember every november 11th uh, lest we that's forget right that terrible things happen when we start driving wedges between people and discriminating on anything um and uh certainly based on someone's basic uh, freedom and bodily autonomy and we're not going to allow that to to happen here uh, again and it drives me nuts every time i see from mr self-righteous pig himself uh <laughs> trudeau he puts out these tweets and these messages of like oh on this day like let's remember all these people and on this day let's remember and he just loves all that and every time all I can think is what about the unvaccinated oh what what about what about them and uh, and I don't know how people can be blind to that hypocrisy yeah. of celebrating all these different differences and um but to say no not these people these people are dirty they're dangerous yeah, they're, yeah. I mean yeah. the language is exactly the same as what we've seen in history of, yes this category people, yeah these these yeah. category of people are dangerous these category of people are what's wrong with society and yeah. and I, I get messages still for people thankfully not too many but basically that that it's my own fault and if i had just complied then everything would be okay and we would have you know we would have been it would have been over there's people who actually think this would have all been over in 2 weeks if we would have all just complied and it's yeah. it's it's because you know Me as a single person who gets lonely pretty easily, had friends over to watch the hockey game. That's why we're still at this two years later. Really? Really? That's like, it's my fault. (laughs) And then it started as that. And then it was, oh, because you didn't get vaxxed, you're the you're the problem. Really? We're at 80 whatever percent. If that extra 20 percent, then that would fix all the problems. You know, no, that's that's not the real problem uh, going on. No. need to these people need to look in the mirror and and see that that they are part of the problem and they are the very ones that you know it's 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 rough to say but when i look to you know if 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 i get to a place where i need to seek shelter and i need you know i need an underground railroad or i need something like that i have learned the people i can trust to help me and the people yeah. who are going to turn me in to the Gestapo. I learned I learned that for sure in the last two years. And I think we we all have. And so yeah, people who are yeah. still complying with this really need to take a hard look at history and to think which side would I have really been on if my government had said these people are dirty, these people are dangerous. You know, we all want to say we would have been on the side of the freedom fighters um back in Germany, but but would we have been? And uh that's
1: just anyway. it, right? yeah and and at the time that's all i could think of is just being able to just publicly encourage others to to just see that there's more to this than than that we need to stop mistreating each other and i just that's what i did right man And it's like it really bothers me to know that people died for our freedom and we're not we're not remembering that anymore right our constitutional rights our bill of rights all these things are just being trampled on every day and it, it just needs to stop and and then to coerce people into taking something uh is just another extreme right like he got up there in august sometime and threatened us all you'll be vaccinated or there'll be consequences i was gonna get fired they put me on a they were gonna put me on a leave of absence uh, if i didn't get it didn't get it was told not to come to work when I return. Uh, I was under investigation, all kinds of stuff, right? Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, re- I resigned for a multitude of reasons, but the biggest one is like, I just can't be a part of it, right? And to me, it was just, it was time it was time for me to move on to another career too, right? Like uh, I, I just needed a mental break from that high stress uh, uh, job, right? So, uh,
0: Perfect segue, because I want to respect your time here, but I definitely want to talk about what you're doing now, and oh, yeah. uh, you yeah, mentioned yeah. at the start that you've um, you've started a, an electrical apprenticeship, and yeah. uh, but then also uh, you're you're running for for the True Blue. So I'd love to New hear, I, yeah, or sorry, New Blue. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 My bad. But we are New the Blue. True Blue. You are True Blue. Sure. There you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. um, so you're running for the New Blue, which uh, for those of you who don't know is uh, is an Ontario uh, party, a uh, uh, provincial party and one of the options in the upcoming uh june 2nd election is that or yeah that's d- correct yeah, yeah you, that's you should know that yeah yeah okay yeah. You, you should <laughs> know should these know things. question yeah. Yeah, yeah so uh you're running in uh, with the new blue and so i'd love to i haven't had someone from the new blue yet so i'd love uh, just give us what well, we've heard about your character and to me uh, character is is the most important thing when it comes to um to candidates and so you're obviously a man of character and you're, you're willing to to go against the grain for what you believe is right and to stand up for those who are unable to have a voice and so that um speaks very much uh to the man you are and so I'd like I'd like to hear about the the new blue and why you chose to align yourself with them so I was doing some work around the
1: the house back last year sometime and I I was listening to pod, uh, podcasts similar to this kind of stuff, right? Just doing things, listening to it. And, and Jim and Belinda are their names. Carhalios. Um, they, they were on and um, they just resonated really well with me, right? Just listening to everything they had said. Um, everything just aligned. They stood up for truth. They stood up for um, what was right all the time. They, she herself was in a very similar situation uh, as I was, right? Um, uh, Doug Ford kicked her out because she stood up for what her the people wanted. She spoke the truth and he didn't like that, right? She brought forward bills that were appropriate. Um, there's a lot of, and again, I haven't witnessed it. I'm just going off of what they say because they've been involved in it a lot longer than I have. But uh, apparently there's a lot of voter fraud that happens inside, like, inside a uh, party, right? And there's no regulations as to how they can basically manage themselves. So she put forward a bill uh, to prevent fraud, voter fraud, from happening. Um, and they basically didn't like it, right? Um, so that was one of the big things. And then because she was standing up for her, uh, the, her constituency, Uh, all the people in her riding, right? uh, Voting for what they wanted. Um, They turfed her and just said like, all right, enough's enough. You're not towing the party line. Out the door you go, right? Which is what happened to me, right? I didn't tow the medical line. You need to get vaccinated. If not, get out. Well, I chose not to and out the door I went. So listening to her story and listening to how some of the things that that went on, I just, the, the two of them spoke really well. They stood up for what was right regardless of what it was going to do to them publicly and uh to me i was like you know what that that to me is is good that like you spoke to character right to me it was at the time i just went okay i know who i'm voting for come uh, the next election right <laughs> and uh one thing led to another um after i resigned i was very well even prior to resigning i was already having those thoughts right um and so back Late uh, 2021, I applied to become a candidate. And uh, so I went through the process, applied. They did a background check. I gave them everything they requested. Did an interview and and succeeded. Um, then we did the whole uh, riding association stuff here. That was all good. And then I became the, the Renfrew-Nipissing-Pembroke candidate uh, mm. for my riding. And so I'm currently the new blue. Uh, candidate for Renfrew, Nipissing, Pembroke. Been doing the campaigns since uh, early May. They they dropped the writ. And so it's been almost four weeks since they they gave us the go-ahead, right? So we're going to be uh, 28 days is the total here in Ontario that we're going to have to campaign. And so that's what, that's what we've been doing. So to me, the whole new blue thing just really, really sat well. And I launched into my campaign and, and just been pushing forward in it, right? Uh, the new blue they, they stand up for people right and that's we can see that with what Belinda had done for her her riding and that's what I had done and that's what I'm going to continue to do right um, I promised to serve the community and to do what was right for the community no matter the the situation a lot of people have put their trust in me as a as a paramedic for years um, to to make medical life threatening decisions for them, life-altering decisions for them. And so I didn't think it would be any different than if uh, right now in our current situation where our government is created this massive issue, lots of things are going on, our lives are all chaotic, the government has lost control of everything that's going on. And I've said to myself, you know what, I'm going to go do this. They need somebody who's well-trained, who's capable, that the people will trust, Right and i trust belinda and jim because of their stance hopefully people will trust me as well i'm not here to take away people's rights i'm not here to do any of that right i'm here to truly defend you like i promised to do and uh so the new blue that's what they want us to do they really want us to stand up for people that's like their biggest thing Um, they want us to hear from the the people in our communities bring that forward to our our uh Debates inside Parliament if we get elected, and just properly represent, which is not any of the other parties. If you don't toe that party line, out the door you go, right? It's it's their way or the highway, and they they took a stand on that, and that's where they've created the new blue, where where we are allowed to properly represent, and there should be no, there will be no consequences. They've made that promise, right? Um, some of the things that we want to bring is that that accountability back to to government. We have 124 candidates province-wide that uh, are good people, no different than than you and I, right? They're they're people that have been in their profession for years. They have an understanding of of what's going on inside their own lives and their community inside, like I said, their their uh, their jobs for the last little bit, and they want to bring that knowledge to to government so that we can make appropriate change um, because we know what the government has been doing and how how that's fared out for us. And I'm not just blaming everything on our current conservative uh, government because it's been a long list of people in charge of this province and this nation, right, that have just not done what people need. And and I was just really getting tired of that being in the back of my ambulance too, right? Like they make decisions, pass bills that, that cause problems, force teachers, like seeing a comment here, critical race theory, right? Um, they're going to perpetuate racism in our society with some of these bills. My my five year or I guess he's not five anymore, uh, five-year-olds <laughs> and my seven-year-old, they don't care what somebody's skin color is or their religion. They just want to play, right? Mm-hmm. We need we need to teach proper education, teach proper history. You and I referenced it earlier. We need to teach people to not uh treat each other inappropriately. This is what for the last hour and what are we at? Well, hour and 38 minutes of how we've been mistreated or people are mistreating one another racism it's not you or i as white people did we do some bad things absolutely um but you go back into world history and look all over the place people just mistreat each other it doesn't matter well it's not it's not we right
0: right? there is no we with that it's like there were people who mistreated others and like this categorization of lumping everyone together with some right. group group identity it's like i i am me and you are you and you can yep. get to know us and find out yep. if we are racist or that's not that's right exactly yeah <laughs> to categorize we, entire groups of people based on their uh, melanin and their their skin is, yeah, yeah, yeah. is just, it's just absolutely just silly really.
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah and and they're pointing the finger back this this bill critical race theory points the finger Basically, out white people for the problems. It's like, come on, we can't do that. We need yeah. to we need to treat treat everyone and teach everyone to treat everyone properly, because, like you mentioned, it's just there was stuff. Is there some people out there still doing things inappropriate? Oh, I'm sure, um, yeah. and they should be dealt with. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and then there's there's other bills too that take away parental parental rights that we want to uh, approach it in a in a more appropriate fashion, like. <clears throat> parents should be involved in their kids' education. They should be involved in a lot of the things that, that happen. Um, uh, gender identity theory is one of them. Um, they're teaching this to young children. Um, are there children out there that struggle with this? Absolutely. It's, they've been in the back of my ambulance. I've, I've dealt with children, young people, who struggle with these, these problems. And it's not something I personally am going to ignore. Um, because it is an issue. They need to have the right resources given to them at the right time, in the right manner. The teacher addressing it in front of 30, 40 other children and excluding the parents is not the right place. That kid's going to get very emotional, have this battle inside them. They're going to feel um, as if the teacher's talking about them. The other kids are likely already know that the kid's struggling with it. There's potential for them to make fun of them. And well, then by by th- definition, th-
0: it's a it's a mental... Issue. And I don't mean that to, to make fun. It's just by literal definition, you know, the idea of, of being the wrong gender is, is an issue in, in the mind. And, and that's, it's not a criticism. It's, it's just a fact. And so the solution is not pumping with hormones. It's not cutting off body parts. It, it would be mental therapy and working through that, uh, with people who, who can help. And the, the answer yep. is not, um, you know injecting kids i mean i see a, a, a pattern here i posted an article today of of just um that that issue of that of of pushing these uh hormone blockers on children yeah. before even medical consultation that's and, right we an interesting what we need pattern here of 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 medicine first discussion later huh where have we seen that before yeah. inject first yeah. and ask questions later yeah. and uh but no these these need to be uh, individualized conversations for individualized yep. people um and and all of a sudden changing all the bathrooms across the country is not going to magically fix this and it's like yeah. these people need to be loved and supported and and get the that's help right. that they need
1: that, from the right people in the right time in the right manner right yeah. like by experts who truly know how to handle this not a teacher discussing it in front of the entire classroom um and that's where I've come in in the past as a as a paramedic where where these these kids feel uh, mistreated, and they get into a mental health health crisis, and they go to the bathroom and self harm or do other things. Right? That we don't necessarily need to get into those details, but they struggle with it, and it's it's not okay. We they're going to create a bigger problem by by pushing this. We can solve these issues by allowing the kid if they come to the teacher the teacher would know best okay let's take you down to the hall uh, down the hall to the counselor the counselor has access to all these resources we're going to let your parents know that you're struggling with it just let them know that this is going let on. the
0: parents know yeah yeah yeah. you're and, a terrible the- person thomas <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> involving but, parents in serious yeah. decisions that children are making wow what a novel it, it's thought. just uh like but it's crazy it, it that is to be- that is like something you have to point out you have to out because it's not the norm i mean no. i have a friend who's a principal at a, at a high school he had to cover up for uh, a young a young woman 14 years old who went and and got an abortion and whatever anyone thinks of that um the parents should have been a part of the conversation but he would have lost his job because if he, he brought them into the conversation uh, because she asked she didn't want them to know about it and so he 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 lied on like attendance forms and uh, and knowingly that she was going to to have this procedure done and the parents, he knew the parents and knew they would want to be a part of that conversation, but he would have lost his job if he brought it up. And I was talking about that. And I said, when, like, when do you draw the line, man? And it's like, and, and it's a real struggle. Like that, that was about the closest he ever did to calling it, but he's got a family and it's a good job. And it's like, does him... Uh, quitting, fix it. Like I don't know, or can he work against it within the system? And I'm sure these are the same things uh, you wrestled with. And like, man, but yeah. to to put someone in in that situation where he needs to lie to parents in order to keep his job, and this yeah. stuff is going on all over the place, and yeah, it's, it's terrifying, it's stop, man. It, and that's and that's where the new blue.
1: That's where we want to bring that transparent government. That there's none of this hidden inside bills, right? It's going to be very blatant. We're going to do this, and this is going to be the hope of, or the desired effect, right? And so we need—we just can't be tying things in and forcing people to to lie or to not include those that should be included, right? If the kid's old enough to make medical decisions for themselves and say, no, I don't want my parents involved, that's totally different. But starting an 8-, 9-, 10-year-old at these different age ca- Uh, lower age categories on hormone blockers just to prevent um them to going into puberty that needs to be discussed like that's not that's a big decision those have some very serious consequences and side effects cause sterility
0: uh yeah yeah, any number of uh things mm and and so
1: it's just we need to have a more common sense approach to this that isn't that isn't extreme they don't want me walking into a school preaching about Uh, uh, God and Jesus, well, there shouldn't be the other extreme happening either where they're coming in and pushing all these left-wing ideologies and and excluding parents from it. And we just, it needs to, we need to go up the, I don't want to say up the middle, but we can't have this whole divide happening once again, right? Well,
0: well, I've said we can pull it very far to the right before we ever get near the middle again. (laughs) And this is why we need reform in our, in our government because we've been drifting so far to the left. And so we, that's I think right. we could spend the next decade pulling it to the right, and we probably wouldn't hit the middle yet. So that's right.
1: Yeah, that's right. And that's where the new blue got their the <laughs> the name new blue the true <laughs> that we will be the true blue kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that we were joking about before, but uh, it's because our our progressive conservative party has slowly shifted further and further off to that to that left, and it's it's not okay. We need to we need to have a real. Uh, conservative voice back in the community because a lot of people don't realize that that's happening these bills are passed it's it's law they're going to do these things whether you like it or not and they people need to know that and they're reading these like these pamphlets that that uh see if you can come Um, back here uh (laughs) these pamphlets that i was throwing out uh at uh out my window into mailboxes and everywhere else I've traveled in the last uh, three weeks. It's, uh, there's a part there that says reform education and people might read it and not realize like removing critical race and gender identity theory. We're not racist and we aren't, we don't have phobias against any group or or individuals. That's That's not at all. People don't realize there's some very, very serious issues inside these bills and that's all we're wanting to do is Hold them back, revisit them, have something that's more appropriate. And the new blue with their 124 candidates, we have teachers, doctors, nurses, paramedics, tradesmen, uh, all all kinds of different people that can bring that experience to the government. Where before we have individuals going to university for politics and other various things, jumping in and telling somebody like myself how to do do medicine. Um, that may have never actually worked in a in in like yeah you might be a doctor but you you, you but it worked on my assignment and... it worked yeah my yeah,
0: assignment yeah. thomas yeah <laughs> you... so
1: they may and i've made reference before like uh, canada's top doctor ontario's top doctor they may not necessarily have seen a patient in the last 20 years right? they <laughs> yeah they have dr in front of their name but they don't necessarily understand what it's like to be a paramedic or a teacher or whatever ministry they're in where the new blue wants to bring those people the people that actually have that experience who can actually say yeah we can't do that because this this and this is going to happen you know yeah. i made reference to the self-harm i know that is going to happen it is already happening when teachers start talking about sexuality and gender issues like it is happening and we can't have our kids we cannot allow harm to our children they're too pressures for that People need to understand if you want your children exposed to that, by all means, as a parent, go ahead and talk to them about it, right? Don't force the other children to listen to it and don't be bringing it forward to the point where another child can be made fun of it and have problems, right? So uh, there's so many things, man, with the, the current government, as we've discussed, to go into healthcare reform, our elderly population, there's waiting lists for nursing homes, uh, retirement homes um, there's just so much stuff like even just early access to the right medication uh where we've been talking about covid for a while we've shut down uh certain treatments suppressed it not allowed it because of certain things we're willing to trial a vaccine that's experimental but we aren't willing to try something else that has been around for 50 years you know or or more uh to me it's just inappropriate we need to have the ability to to give the the right treatment at the right time in advance right i'm so um, glad to but,
0: hear you mentioned about all the the different fields of work that people are, are coming from and i think that's so important i see some people in the comments there talking about yeah the uh, the blue collar folk and it, it's been incredible in this whole freedom movement of so many people i uh, i meet and um you know like uh, our mutual a friend there who connected us and he's a sheet metal worker and, yeah. uh, you know, and other who all of a sudden is, you know, taking on these roles of organizing events and, and, uh, doing various things. And, you know, I was out working on furnaces and, and you were doing your paramedic thing. And, uh, we are all just like regular, regular guys you'd meet at the pub on the weekend. And, uh, <laughs> but, but, yeah. and in some ways we are to blame, uh, that, you know, we sat around and complained at the pubs and we complained while we we're watching the Leafs game. And I, I did, I sat right over there on my couch uh, hours talking to my friends about how dumb this all was and blah, blah, blah. but uh, realistically I didn't, I didn't do anything. I didn't, I didn't stand up. And I mean, we're so we're thankful for those who there, there are people names we'll never know who lost their jobs long ago for speaking out and for, for standing up and, and YouTube channels that were deleted uh, long before I ever saw them. And so yeah. many who've been speaking out against this for a long time and set the tone for more and more of us uh, to rise up. But it, it's so incredible to see this, um, coming together of working class people and, and, and poor and wealthy and, and everywhere in between to, to speak out against this, just, you know, the thing we have in common is we're Canadians and that's, yeah. uh, that's the, the thread yeah. that, that binds all of this. And, uh, I think so many of us in the blue collar world, as it were, the working class, we just assume that these people with all these letters behind their name which is what well, they must be smart they and then <laughs> yeah. as we pull back the curtain and see what goes on in these institutions and then through this whole covid thing the decisions they're making they're like wow maybe they're not as smart as they uh, as they say they are and and there's a humility amongst the working class too of like well i, I can't run for government like i'm and i hear that from some really great uh, individuals that i i know and i've encouraged them like oh you'd be good in politics like oh no like I, i'm not smart enough for that i'm not good enough and and uh there's a certain beautiful humility that i see in the working class that i do not see in the ruling class whatsoever and there's this humility of like that i'm i'm not smart enough and and that's a good starting point right and i think more of our politicians should yep. say i'm not smart enough because that's where you 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 weigh in and you listen to different views and you consult and don't just right. like <laughs> It's okay uh, don't not just, to know. Yeah, it's okay not to know yeah. if you admit what you what you don't know. And it's important to know what you don't know. And, yeah. and that humility uh, that I, I see very much a lot in, in the working class uh, people that they often, you know, these brilliant people, business owners, uh, incredibly mechanically minded and such. And yet they say that, oh, they're dumb and they don't know about politics and stuff. You're clearly not dumb. You're like, you're an incredibly gifted worker in your field, and your trade. And so I, I hate how these people uh, write themselves off as not smart enough for that. So uh, good for you for, for for you know, rising above. Um, I no doubt you had those concerns. I'm sure you. Um, oh man, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't
1: come to this quickly, right? Like I, I said the same thing. And even my friends were like, Sure, you're ready for this? Like, hmm. this is a big step. Like, there's a lot to it. Said, Well, I'm 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 just tired of our government mistreating us, locking us down, which is again another thing we're gonna do. Cut our gas prices, man. Like, I'm tired of whining about everything and not not having the ability to do anything yeah. about it. So that's what I'm trying to do is like get in so that we can make the decisions that people like you and I that live every day having issues like looking at the gas prices going um yeah that's pretty expensive and i drive this kind of vehicle that's going to take 100 liters or more right it's going to be a 200 bill like we need to cut carbon taxes at the here in ontario anyways it needs to go and that's what's going to happen we're going to get rid of those things our economy's failing like we can't we can't continue to sustain ourselves and all my friends were bringing up all these these issues that are just like what about this what about that are you sure you can handle that and i said you know what it's i'm not a one-man team there's i am gonna come to people like yourself and to others to discuss it help me with the problem i'm not a farmer okay mr farmer or mrs farmer what what is it that i need to do to help you out
0: right right? i I, i'm not gonna listen to to people yeah yeah exactly. a politician listening to people you are a groundbreaking politician. Yeah. Look at you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's going to be problematic for sure. If I yeah.
1: But anyway, so yeah, it's just being able to, to work with the people to come up with some of these solutions. I, as Thomas the paramedic, sure, I'll be able to fix some of the issues inside our healthcare because I've been there, done that, know what's wrong with it and can help my colleagues, nurses and other paramedics deal with their issues in their workplace. But when it comes to some of these other problems, um i myself am not uh, i'm going to need to reference these people other experts um the people that are actually living it they're the ones that the decision is going to affect and we just want to listen to them and, and come up with the the proper solution in the right way not just throw something together and and hope that it works right yeah. um here in my writing just answering the phone to listen to the people will be a huge uh benefit. Like I don't know what other people's ratings are like. I was
0: calling my MPP. I was doing it daily and then um I got busy with convoy freedom stuff and now I try to do it about once a week. I'll call, never pick up, always leave a message. I've never got a call back, but it's like and then is it, often I call and the answering machine's full. I'm obviously not the only person doing it uh but uh you know whatever i gotta keep doing it um if nothing else i hope it's annoying <laughs> because yeah. l- literally i've been calling all through this thing to voice my concern and, and never get a call back and they never pick up and uh yeah that that would be uh, a, <laughs> a huge start just yeah, having yeah. A con- even and, and appearing in public i have literally never seen my mpp since yeah, yeah. uh he was campaigning he yeah, uh, ran around and did pit. his campaigning and then uh then they show up then man yeah yeah yeah. exactly yeah and it's just we just
1: need to be able to to bring just relief to people on a day-to-day and i think just listening to their voice and 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 knowing what they're struggling with right uh businesses have suffered through these lockdowns people have suffered through these lockdowns mental health is through the roof uh our hydro rates our taxes keep going up everything's just up 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 and we need to just look at it and and slash where we can narrow down some of the spending in some of these areas that are inappropriate that our experience in our fields uh can quickly look at and go oh yeah we didn't need to spend money here or there we can cut this and cut that without without affecting jobs right we have huge shortages of jobs in this in this province and we need to just be able to make sure that people keep their jobs um put those back to work that like other paramedics uh um certain cities have just straight up fired those individuals inappropriately that can't happen we need to fix that we need to reverse that putting these nurses doctors paramedics police officers, firefighters, all of them that have and and every other career that I just don't have time to name they need to go back to work their employers should not be treating them the way they are we need to restore that so we can get this economy off the ground again because it's just stalled um I had mentioned that I was doing electrical work right as an apprentice material is taking weeks to get uh, some of it's not even available anymore right things that used to take a day or two or could be same day delivery once you order it uh, according to my boss he's like yeah it's gonna be six months and I <laughs> wouldn't normally have ordered it and had it here within a, a few days you know and we just Damn. that kind of stuff keeps happening people can't continue to to pay higher and higher taxes adding carbon tax to the fuels we, like we just need to get rid of it all and and that's that's where the the new blue is going to like those are our standpoints on some of our policies that i've mentioned that that we're going to just get rid of things that just don't belong there and retract the government overreach that has been for quite some time and especially in the last 2 years it just just needs to stop man you know and uh, get people back to work and restore lives you know put some normality uh, back into this this uh, province.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing mm-hmm. uh, with me. I've already taken more of your time than than I said oh, I would, you, and I know you got a, yeah. a young family. Uh, but I think that's a good place uh, to to wrap up. And um, so, yeah, thank you so much for for everything uh, that that. No, thank you. <laughs> taking yeah. the stand that you did, and and obviously as we saw in that video, a very difficult stand to take. And now um, looking, you know. So you're, you, you took that stand and, and you're out, but what can I do now? And so taking on this new challenge, um, and like I said, my, my number one, uh, thing I look for in a, in a candidate is, is character and cause anyone can talk a good talk and we you have, you, have, you yeah. know, federally and and provincially, we have lots of uh, people on the right. You're talking a good talk and the question is, well, will they deliver? And, um,
1: That's great.
0: I, I, I trust that, uh, People in your riding, if they would they vote for you, will be able to have someone who delivers and, and will make a, a stand for them. So remind us your riding. Got a try. Again. Sorry, the truck went by, oh, but yeah, I got to
1: try. Right, that's the one thing we can only do is just. Everybody gets into government. Certain things happen, but we just we need to really just try. And I think the like you mentioned before, the first step is listening to the people.
0: Yeah. And what's What's your riding again?
1: Uh, it's Renfrew, Nipissing, Pembroke, so Renfrew County in the southern part of uh, uh of Nipissing, along Algonquin Park. So basically, we run up the entire uh, east region of eastern Ontario, right? So basically, from Ottawa all the way up to uh, towards Mattawa, not quite to Mattawa.
0: Right. well, Huge, if, uh, <laughs> if you guys are, are listening to this yeah. live or later on, and uh, and Thomas is. Uh, On your ballot, then encourage you guys uh, to to support him, and uh, I'm confident that Thomas is someone who will to work hard for his constituents. And then and then wider in Ontario, can encourage you guys to consider um, uh, looking at uh, the New Blue as an alternative. I also had on Derek Sloan from the Ontario Party. If you'd like to hear more about that party as well, two newer parties that are seeking to be alternatives to the traditional three. And uh, certainly can understand why people are looking at alternatives. I am definitely looking at an alternative. I will most definitely be voting for an alternative uh, party in this election um, and so I know many others are, are seeking to do that as well so yeah. the new new blue is one you guys can can check out, uh, check I'll, us put, out. I'll put the link in the description for the the website. And you guys can, or just Google them and, uh, and take a look who your local representative is and, and add that to your consideration as you're, you're looking at candidates for this yes. upcoming election. So, yeah, I'll let you go, Thomas. Thank you so much for being on and, uh, um, hope to talk to you again.
1: you right on. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks everyone.
0: Good night. Great. Well, um, yeah, what, what a great guy. Uh, I got to meet him, um, yeah, I'd, I'd seen some of those videos, and then a mutual friend of ours. Uh, we went out for dinner together, and so got to meet him uh, more casually as well, too. And really great to have him on the show and uh, talk to him as well. So uh, again, yeah, the Ontario election is coming up uh, June second, uh, I believe. And yeah, I I looked at the the big three and and just looking at their platforms, and you know, trying to have an open mind and. Eh, oh but, Well, I'm sorry, whatever you think of, of Ford, uh, he's just a write-off for me, I can't in good uh, faith uh, vote for someone, and it's not even that just that, you know, it's bad enough that he just went along with what was happening, and oh, everyone's doing it, this is the cool thing to shut down businesses, so I'm going to do it too. He went above and beyond all the other provinces, some of the strictest lockdowns in the world, uh, happened right here under his leadership, and so I cannot uh, support him. And I know that there there's other conservatives who would feel they have no choice. I believe there's always a choice, and uh, I I cannot in in good faith um, support him after after what he's done to people in this province. And so I will be looking at an alternative. I looked at the Liberals and NDP, and uh, oh man, half their platform is that Ford didn't go far enough. So there's that they there needs to be more mandates and, and more of this kind of stuff. And uh, and so that was an easy uh, write off for me personally. And and again, whatever listeners, uh, you know, support, I, I hope uh, don't take that personally. This is my personal views on these parties, um, but uh, wasn't happy with what I saw from the big three. And so then it comes down to some of these alternative parties. So, so it's why I'm happy to be able to get on some of these people from the alternative parties that are available in this Ontario election. And so I encourage you guys to, to check those out uh, with new blue and uh, the Ontario party being um, the, the larger conservative alternatives that are available in this election. Uh, Just me says Ford is a big uh, flaky. Yeah, <laughs> it. uh I saw so much of that too, just, I had, you know, some people were hypothesizing whether someone had something on, on Ford, like whether one of his uh, businesses, you know, someone had dirt on him or something because he was so robotic during this uh, past whole thing. It was just like, do, you know, follow the mandates, do what you're told, obey. And it just did not like seem like him at all. And then he just broke all his rules anyway, you know, don't go to the cottage, oh, where were you last weekend? Oh, well, I had a leaky pipe, you know, Ford, like other people have leaky pipes too. they need to fix. other people have million dollar properties that they need to check in up north and make sure that it's still functional um and then you know mother's day don't don't have your family over takes a photo with with all his daughters who don't live at home anymore, and uh he was caught at a wedding, and endless things Where so that that's where some people hypothesize whether there was dirt on him and whether, you know, someone had something, you know, Trudeau was, was, uh, had him by the balls as it were, and, uh, was pulling him in the direction he wanted him to go. So something weird was going on there. It was very strange, uh, the way he dealt with Ontario, but whatever the case can't, uh, can't support him after how he treated us. Uh, so it'll be an interesting election, uh, to say the least, but. Enough about politics. Yeah, great chat with Thomas. What a guy. And uh, enjoyed hearing from him, from someone right there on the front lines. And uh, I did see someone in the comments had said that uh, they were a frontline nurse that might be willing to share their story. And by all means, always happy to hear. If you, if you send an email, the email address is in the description, which is kind of a little bit of a a pitch of your story. I, I, love, uh, I love getting those and, and taking those into consideration as well. So by all means, reach out. I would love to hear from you. Uh, as well um, tomorrow I don't expect to be on I'm actually gonna go see Jordan B Peterson live uh, he's doing a lecture nearby so looking forward to hearing from him and uh, then I expect to be live on Thursday just haven't finalized a, a guest yet and um, it's gonna be a little bit of a slower week. And because then I am uh, helping with a wedding on the weekend, the one that I was at the bachelor party for uh, the other weekend. So helping with a wedding. um, I'm going to DJ. They they used to call me uh, DJ Slider back in the day. (laughs) One of the other hats that I've worn in life. And so I'm uh, I'm I'm pulling out the gear again and going to DJ a a buddy of mine's wedding uh, this weekend. So helping with that and getting set up and such. So it might be a bit of a slower uh, week, but going to get some uh, videos out. If you haven't seen already, posted a few videos today. One of them is an interview with um, Mr. Freedom from Citizen Camera. That's a great, great video. You can see that on the YouTube, uh, Facebook, or Instagram. And uh, Citizen Camera, if you don't already follow him, check him out on YouTube or Instagram. Uh, Makes some really great videos. He's working on a documentary right now. And I've released some of his interviews before that he's done. And uh, so check out the Mr. Freedom interview with Citizen Camera. Um, much fancier than, than my interviews. Uh, all the nice camera work and B-roll footage and stuff. So he makes some really quality stuff. So check check out that video with Mr. Freedom. And then also released a little update from James Top, who is currently marching across Canada. And you can watch that update on uh, Instagram, Facebook, or uh, uh, YouTube as well. And uh, so James Top, as I said, is expected to arrive in Ottawa for June 30th, and I will be there filming, definitely going to be live streaming that and uh, sticking around for a while to uh, to film the festivities there for Canada Day. Um, that's the next kind of big thing coming up. Uh, there's a few other uh, smaller events, and I'll, I'll keep an eye on and share out some of those on the socials when I hear about them, but um, the, the next big event that uh, we're trying to pull together lots of groups for will be for the arrival of James Top in in Ottawa on June 30th so watch out for that should be really good reminder uh, Live from the Shed is now on Spotify so after this show I'll be downloading and uploading it to Spotify so if you prefer to listen if these are too long for you to watch uh, then uh, it's on Spotify as well and you can catch up on episodes there and and listen uh, rather than watch while you're driving or whatever. So started uploading to Spotify, so that's another option for you to enjoy. And um, yeah, thank you as always to the mods and uh, and everyone in the chat. There uh, always love. I do um, follow. I, I I do try to follow the chat, and I appreciate the input. And you know, if I see enough of the same thing, then I try to bring it up. And so your your voices are heard whether i always get to acknowledge you or or not but uh appreciate you guys a- in the chat and um and of course to uh our moderators and all the hard work they do as well and just thank you to all of you that you know i mentioned there talking to thomas of how grateful i am to the people who came before right they like i said so many of uh youtube channels and Instagram pages and whatnot that that were deleted long ago for saying the very things that I'm saying right now and uh, names you you'll you'll never know and uh, people who've been blocked and banned I mean Citizen Camera is actually one of them I if you look at the Citizen Camera this is crazy the Citizen Camera video I posted the interview with Mr. Freedom uh, normally you can tag the name of the the person the channel that made it in the description it will not let me tag his channel name and I was talking to him about that and he's lost several channels. He had to—he actually had to get like a new phone to make a new account so he could he could open that channel. And obviously, they've caught on to him again because it wouldn't even let me tag his channel. Uh, it, I, there's a link to it in the description, but it wouldn't let me tag his channel name in the video, uh, which uh, is very strange. And he's had really difficulty getting his videos out there. Um, and really, just for he—he he just shares people's stories. So he was filming people sharing their stories. Uh, he talked about some people who had injuries from the vaccine and such. And, uh, and he was deleted from socials for that and had the hardest time getting a new account. And so so thankful to guys like him and the many others that I'll never know who who came before and were speaking out about this early on and uh, taking the brunt of that while people like me and many others were sitting back, like I said, complaining on the couch. And, um, you know, I'm glad I, I got involved uh, when I did. And I, I'm, I'm doing what I can now and encourage you guys to, you know, if you're still kind of on the fence, whatever that piece looks like, whether it's engaging coworkers in conversation, uh, you know, putting a flag on your car or starting a whole organization, you know, every every piece is important. We need to wake up Canadians. We need to stand up uh, together. This is this is a a numbers game at this point. Um, There needs to be enough pressure coming from all directions i heard it described as you know imagine the the trudeau government is a machine with a bunch of gears and whether whether you're throwing just a little rock in or tossing a boulder or wrench or a plastic straw or whatever you've got big or small just huck it into those gears and and eventually enough interference and the gears grind to a halt and 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 that's um the end of that and um and we get to a point where there's enough pushback that drives to a no confidence vote that it becomes clear within the governing party itself that uh, this party, this this government cannot stand and uh, an election can be called and we can get some real change in Ottawa. Uh, peaceful is is possible and it is the route that, that I continue to encourage people to go towards. I know it's been a slow grind. I know it continues to be a slow grind, um, but change is possible. These these governments are systems were, were built over hundreds and over thousands of years, and and yes, it's uh, it's not going to change overnight. But change is possible, and it is happening. And we need to continue to to stand together and to uh, push back. And it might be a while yet, but with enough when enough voices begin to speak out, it becomes an overwhelming um, call that cannot be ignored and uh and eventually the media will will flip on it too. I mean, it uh once so many everything is about being like popular, right? And if enough people change their mind, I mean, if the vast majority of Canadians are fed up with this government, even the CBC for it can only for so long start to run hit pieces about how great the guy is. I mean, at some point at the very least it needs to switch to being a bit more neutral like every what the limits are different right and obviously for the cbc the limit is very far of where they're going to start uh saying anything different but there are limits eventually and we need to keep pushing against those limits speaking up together to to in, uh create change but that requires numbers it requires more and more people um realizing what's going on realizing the corruption uh the discrimination the many things that that you know the regular viewers and those who have been following this will be so aware of um, But continue in peace, continue in love. Don't get angry at these people. Uh, Many people were just doing what they're told and they were doing what they, trying their best to be good Canadians and they genuinely were. They were lied to and uh, we want to help them understand and help them uh, work with us towards creating uh, a free society for all of us and and righting some of these wrongs that were done. But continue that goal in, in peace, in unity, in love. And it's going to take some time, but, uh, but change is possible and we're getting there and we're going to get there, uh, one, uh, one step at a time or, <laughs> or maybe one meme at a time. Anonymous says those memes, uh, yeah, one, one meme at a time, uh, will change hearts and minds and, and, uh, whether it's short form or long form information, whatever people react to best, we'll get the truth out there. The truth will set us free and, uh, and we'll get there, uh, together. So thanks guys. Uh, love you guys. Hope you have a good night and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see you next time. Take care.